All right, podcast. To keep the ball rolling on the Survival Thrive podcast series presented by the good people at Bodyboard King, I now give you a chat with Louis Finnegan, recorded when the poor fellow was recovering from a bit of a hip injury. We go into detail in it in the podcast. I hope you enjoy it thoroughly and thank you again to Bodyboard King for all their support. Welcome to the Survive or Thrive podcast, Mr. Louis Finnegan. Yeah. <laughs> How's that like delayed response as if we weren't just having a normal conversation and we just got really weird when we were recording? Nah, it's good good to be here chatting with you again, mate. Yeah, it's been a little while. I'm sorry I haven't called more often, although my number wasn't saved in your phone anyway, so you probably would have screened <laughs> me half the time. Yeah, or thought I was a tax tax authority trying to get some money out of you or something. I don't trust any random numbers now. Okay, that's all right. You, have you always been a paranoid guy? Let's no, go straight into it. Let's go deep. <laughs> like, literally the last month I've been getting so many calls from like that robot voice that tells me I owe money to the taxation department. Yeah, right. I don't know how they got my number, but I'm getting like three calls every day from random numbers and I thought you were just another one of those robot people. Yeah, I can do the robot. I can do the dance, but I don't think I'm the what? A robot. <laughs> Um, are your tax affairs in order? Maybe it's real. Nah, they're they're legit. <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> all right, that's what they all say. And then the tax guy knocks on the door and does an audit, and then you know, a couple yeah. of those um, couple of those trips away weren't exactly for business. They were more for pleasure. All pleasure. You gotta watch it. You can have both, I guess. Yeah. Um. Thanks for jumping onto this call. I know you got a couple of things to do later. There's a bit of a window to get into your life, which is cool. I just tried to have a call with Wingers, but he, he's too busy trying to be a DJ, and he, he, he stood me up. So, Did he really? Yeah, he said, oh, bro, I'm too busy. Look, and just sends me a picture of a laptop with musical things on it. I'm like, righto. Anyway. Righto, yeah, Wing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll chase him up because I'm, I'm really interested to learn about what he's been doing because it's a funny – you know, it's a pretty cool little turn of events. So, yeah, I'm super keen to chat to him and see what, what's been going on. But, um, yeah, thanks for jumping on this podcast. I mean, it's a little bit of a, a special series I've put together just to have a little reflection over 2020 and that pandemic year that everybody just went through around the world. And I'm just trying to catch different perspectives from the writers who have already been on the podcast and to kind of see how you all handled it and, you know, what did you learn? What did you, you know, how did it suck for you? What were the challenges that confronted you and all that kind of thing? And hopefully the people listening can get an idea about, you know, how similar their experiences have been to you guys and and maybe learn a couple of things if, if they need to get a few tips on how to survive 2021 because it's kind of looking a little similar to 2020. Yeah, Looking grim. <laughs> it is, isn't it? But um, do you think the big question is, do you feel like you survived 2020 or do you feel like you actually thrived? Mate, I reckon I just scraped through. <laughs> oh, 
Different response. All right. Yeah. No, nah, I'm gonna be elaborate. Honest. I'm gonna be honest here and say elaborate. I just I just barely survived through it. <laughs> hey. All right. What happened? Well, as I guess most of your listeners might know, if they're bodyboarders, I just underwent a pretty major operation with my left hip about a month ago. Yeah. But the True. the actual like primary the first injury to my left hip was in May last year. And so Ooh. from May up until now, I basically haven't, haven't even surfed because of this hectic injury yeah. that happened. And, um, yeah, it was a very long eight months of oh. going down the rabbit hole of trying to find out what happened and what to do about it and how to get better, how to recover. And, um, yeah, it just seemed to spiral downwards for a pretty long time until I got to the bottom of it. So it was definitely okay. Definitely the toughest year of my life. And well, yeah. that's saying something to you, dude. Last time we had a podcast, you were, you know, you spoke about anorexia and the, you know, the challenges of that. And you're saying this has been harder than that. Oh, 100%. Eh? It, it oh, wow. Me, really. Oh, it's like shit. I had, had everything taken away from me that I love. Eh? Yeah, right. Right. Oh, man. That's heavy. I didn't even realize. Yeah. I mean, like, the you know you, you can always just reach out to like your dad i mean your other dad your east coast dad you know <laughs> if you ever need a chat i feel a bit bad now nah, um i had a pretty good network of people uh, i'm sure you did i'm sure you did did um i mean the, the next question on the list was what did you find challenging about 2020 but it sounds like do you, do you feel like the the context of the pandemic made it worse um, or was this going to be a bad year even without the pandemic? Yeah, no, nah, I actually reckon that the pandemic made it a bit easier for me. Because wow. I, because I wasn't able to surf and the World Tour was cancelled. It kind of stopped yeah. because I wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. Did you plan on doing the tour in 2020 or was it a 50-50 from the start? It was, it was kind of a 50-50 from the start. So mm. It was kind of towards not doing it but then there was still a kind of itching inside of me that was telling me to do it because I almost feel in a way I still have my best performances ahead of me in terms of competition so I did want to do it but um I'd kind of discussed with pride that I'd chase a bit more free surfing lot in the year of 2020. Mm, I mean did and so, you know, it was a bit of a relief then that you didn't have to make that decision. The pandemic made it for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm, mm. I mean, luckily with that injury happening in May, though, I'm just trying to think of WA swell patterns and whatnot. You you did manage to get some good wedge in before that. Yeah, so I got like, because I was, the big project for last year for me was the filming for that Lucid Dreams video I um, released recently. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I look at that one, yeah. I had like huge plans for that to do heaps of trips around Australia and maybe a few overseas things. And um, oh, okay. yeah, I wanted to make that clip really strong and um got about two or three months into filming for it and then my injury happened and then all the lockdowns started happening around like all Australia and the world for COVID and everything just got turned on its head, eh? Mm. I mean, was that all um, – let's go back to that kind of period of lockdown because 
I haven't had anyone from WA on the podcast yet to discuss how it was over there, and uh, many listeners may not understand, but WA is kind of this part of Australia that kind of doesn't really want to be part of Australia all the time, you know, like it's this yeah. <laughs> kind of this this distant land on the other side of the continent. And, you know, is it, it's kind of, I'm joking a little bit, but it is kind of true. Like there are there are literally people who talk about, I mean, back in the day in Federation, the Western Australians weren't actually that keen to be a part of the Commonwealth of Australia. They were actually like, yeah, do we really need to be a part of all that stuff that happens mostly on the East Coast? So the experience over there, it's usually this really different experience and not to say anyone's more or less Australian in Western Australia, but it is a different place and it's quite isolated from the rest of Australia. Would, would you agree? hundred percent. Yeah. It seems like, seems like a different country in a way. If you, mm. you're from over East and you come to WA, it can be pretty trippy in some aspects and vice versa as well. Mm. And so with the experience that, the the pandemic, um, you know, what was it like in those early stages over there? Can you kind of paint a picture for the listener? Yeah, I guess it would have been pretty similar to the whole world at the very beginning as kind of like a, a few weeks of fear and panic in society and everyone was panic buying and filling up on toilet rolls. And oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, it felt like kind of the apocalypse was incoming and everyone was preparing to just hunker down and try and survive through this like insanity. And um, the first first few cases in Australia were all over east. So when that all happened, Australia, I mean, Western Australia pretty much just closed its borders to everyone. So we've mm. basically just been living in this bubble ever since. And that was yeah. last year. And um, up until just a few weeks ago, we were totally COVID free. So even though we couldn't, leave the state pretty much and no one else could come into the state except for like strict strict rules to get people back in where they had to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks we're kind of just like cruising it's just the same thing but you can't travel outside the state but there's no covid there's no nothing and then a few weeks ago we had our first lockdown which went for five that's days right. that's and that right was like, yeah that was full lockdown and um that was because there was one case of covid and yeah, they like try to find more cases, but this guy who had it didn't spread it to anyone else. So it's just this one guy that had COVID and then five day lockdown and there were no more cases. And so they softened the rules and stuff with the lockdown and now we're just cruising again. So it's actually been like probably one of the best places on earth to be for this whole COVID pandemic because it hasn't even hit here. <laughs> so we're all just chilling still. Yeah, it's funny though, but how about that one person? What a relief, eh? Like you, you, you're the one person in the whole state who who brings the virus in and you luckily, you know, there's a bit of a weight on your shoulders, I'm sure, when they're like, hey, dude, you got the virus. Who have you been hanging out with? Um, pretty lucky break there. It'd be pretty hard to deal with that if you were the, you know, patient zero in a whole 100%. state. Yeah, imagine like when people start dying and stuff down the track. Yeah. Think- from me <laughs> it's so gnarly it's so gnarly coming back to the to the kind of the challenge of the year though because i mean if you're saying it was the toughest year of your life i mean how how do you come to that conclusion what was it about this injury that really took you on a bit of a spiral um just not knowing 
mainly what was going on with the injury and also like not being able to see a way of recovering from it because mm. when I first did it, it was like all I did was stepped out of my car and just felt something rip like in the front of my head. Oh, okay. So I wasn't doing anything extreme. I literally just took a step and felt something rip in the front of my hip and it was like super sore. But at the wow. same time, I kind of didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, that was kind of sore and then like took a few steps and moved around a bit and I was like, oh, I should, should be all right. And then I mm. woke up the next morning and it was like super tight in my left hip and really inflamed. And um, I was still thinking like, oh, this – this is weird, but it'll go away. So I kept surfing and I was filming heaps for lucid dreams at that, at that stage. And so I was going down South a lot. I had a good session at the right, but like my hip was just so sore and I was Mm. uh, probably up to a month or two that it was just going to get better and go away as things do. But, um, it just kept getting worse and worse. And then after a couple of months, I was like, shit, I actually need to sort this out because I can't even walk without being in pain. And I have like this, horrible discomfort in my hip 24 7 and so Mm. yeah i like end up going to the doctors and then going and getting scans and i got an ultrasound and the ultrasound showed that i had bursitis in my okay and so i ended up getting like they stuck a needle into the bursa to try and drain the fluid and thought that thought that would help and then that didn't help so i ended up getting more scans and it started just getting really hectic at about five months where it was so bad. I couldn't even stand up straight without having like a searing pain in the front of my hip. Wow. Five months of no surfing, no doing yoga, like not being able to do any of the things that I like to do and um, yeah, trying to rest as much as I can and it's just not getting any better. So it's just started taking its toll on my mental state and my happiness for sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, I just kept like, I obviously had to keep trucking along to try it to the bottom of it. So things started getting a bit more serious at about six months. And I was speaking to lots of different hip specialists in Perth and I'd seen three hip specialists who all told me basically like they don't recommend surgery because what they offer wouldn't help me because I had a, I have a condition called hip dysplasia, which I found out from getting all these scans done where it's basically Mm -hmm. like a developmental condition where your hip joints don't form properly. So I have like Uh slightly deformed hip joints. Yeah, right. Kind of like why this all came about because of this like under coverage of the cartilage and the femur head in my hip joint. Okay. And so, yeah, they're all telling me, oh, we can't really operate on you because you have hip dysplasia. And, like, if we go in and try to fix the cartilage that's torn, you're just going to tear it again because of your hip dysplasia. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, holy shit, what, like, how, like, there's no way out of this. Am I literally just going to be stuck like this for the rest of my life, just crippled and not being able to do anything? And so I started having lots of thoughts about, what I could do with my life that doesn't involve moving my body because I couldn't, like, I couldn't do anything. Surf, I couldn't do anything. So I was just super depressed about all of that. And then the final specialist I ended up, like, booking an appointment with, his name was Lockie Milne. He basically tells me that there's this surgery called a periacetabular osteotomy, a PAO surgery, 
and what they just about to say that I was just about to say were they going to go for the periost economy? Uh, sorry, continue, continue. <laughs> you got it, Pat. <laughs> well, um, yeah, so he, I go to this appointment with like the very last person that I could have seen in like the whole state. There was no one else after him that I could have gone and saw. And um, yeah, he tells me about this PAO surgery where they cut the front of the hip and then move the muscles out of the way and then cut the acetabulum out of your pelvis. So if you think about your hip joint being like a ball and socket joint, the mm-hmm. socket part of the joint is obviously part of the pelvis. And yeah. so they cut all the bone around that to remove the acetabulum and then they reposition it so that it's covering more of the head of the femur and then they screw mm-hmm. the acetabulum back into the pelvis in a different position so that your hip joint's better aligned. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'd heard of this surgery along the way, but I was just thinking like, fuck that. Like I didn't mm. my pelvis like cut apart. And um, wow. But once he started telling me about it, he was like, mate, I've done it to 300 hips and something like 290 of them have made a full recovery. And he's done it to heaps of top level athletes in AFL and stuff. And they've all bounced back really well. And the surgeon who did my surgery is actually an ex-Olympian himself. And so yeah, right. he kind of knows what it takes to get back to a high level of sport. He's not just like some fat dude that's like, yeah, you can run again. But he knew yeah. kind of the demands I would want to put on my body again once I'm better. And he mm. was just like completely confident that I'd be able to bounce back from the surgery and return to normal life once things heal. And so... I guess I trusted his call and booked the surgery pretty much straight away. Like left that first appointment having booked the surgery for like three weeks time. Yeah. Right. Straight um, in. Yeah. Straight in, got it done and woke up and it was like just totally sweet. eh? I was in hospital for four days and like the first week or two were, were pretty rough, but, um, now I'm at like a month and it's already feeling so much better than pre-surgery. I can stand up straight and not have pain in my hip and just loving it, eh? That's amazing. I'm really happy that you got that solution. I mean, it's a um, it's a funny little injury and I guess what you're saying is is that he, the step out of the car, it was always destined to happen by the sounds exactly, of things, like yeah. because it's of like, your pre your condition there. Yeah, it's like the lifestyle I've lived the last decade or whatever has definitely accelerated what would have inevitably happened but um it was always destined to happen because of my formation of bones in my hips they're not right so, so. so did they do both hips in the process to shore up the other one or have you only nah. had the operation on one no nah, i just had it on my left but he said um the left hip was more dysplastic than the right hip the right oh, hip okay. still does have dysplasia but he said unless it starts causing you grief like your left hip, don't worry. Like a lot of people have mild hip dysplasia and never find out about it because it never causes them problems. Mm. So just take it as it comes. But, yeah, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. <laughs> um, does Is there anything – you're a pretty proactive guy when it comes to your health and well-being. Um, you know, it's publicized that you – you know how to be strict with your body if you know you can you can really obsess over it and you can kind of make radical change uh, to yeah. your form and your fitness and as we've discussed in the podcast it can be positive for sure and it can also be negative 
is there anything you can do with your training and exercise to shore up that other hip? The or is there anything you can do for both hips now to make sure that you're you've got better strength there or any coverage? Is or is it just yeah, kind there, of there is like I've been working for the last six to eight months on strengthening all the muscles surrounding the hips so yeah. that my muscles are able to try and hold the hip stable because the actual joint's not that stable. So if I can build up the muscles all around it, then it can hold the hip in place better because the structure itself isn't very stable compared to a normal hip. But um, at the end of the day, it's like my, my skeleton, you know, you can't change it unless you go in and cut it and change it. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly like that, the skeletal system. Yeah. The old muscles you can do a bit with that, can't really change those bones, can you? Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, obviously I'll continue to do my best with both hips and hope that the right hip just stays sweet. But um, we'll mm. see. Yeah. You've said that this was a hard year or 2020 was a really tough year and I understand a lot more now. I mean, knowing you, we travelled a lot together in 2019 and, you know, on a day-to-day basis, you, you're very, very focused on your on on your kind of daily practices and, and regimes and it's quite religious almost, the, your focus when it comes to your yoga and, your, and the things that you do in a day. Um, having that taken away from you must have been really, really hard. I can understand for sure just yeah. from my own experience that you probably lost your mind pretty quickly. It wouldn't have taken long, would it, with you? Like No, yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. But um, yeah. but the one kind of saving grace that I got really into was handstands. And it was <laughs> okay. kind of, it was like the only thing I could do quite happily without too much pain. And so I just shifted all of my focus to getting better at handstands. It's funny you say that because you published a a little story it must have been yesterday or today even and it was you doing some um pull-ups and i was like this motherfucker is a triangle like the look <laughs> like like yeah, from your waist to your shoulders it's like this triangle i mean you you look like you've broadened out so much in the arms and upper torso like is that really like a direct result of probably all this handstanding and yeah probably yeah. i've been doing like quite a bit of training and calisthenics and stuff because um i can do stuff with my upper body and not hammer my my sore hip so i was doing like lots yeah. of rehabby stuff for my hips but then i was still able to train my upper body and do handstands all day which was which was definitely a saving grace mm. yeah, um i, I don't want to doubt yeah. a bit I last saw you. You probably wouldn't even recognize me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, with athletes of the of the level that I put yourself in and um, that elite level, there are good stories about these types of injuries really leading, being the kind of catalyst for a, a, a successful kind of return. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel, where's your mindset at now? You seem really happy now, i got to say. Like, and I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of thinking to myself, wow, if I had have harassed you for this call a month ago, I would have had a very different Louis Finnegan on oh. the other end of this line. Um, so you sound like you're on a journey on a positive spiral. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Is that how you feel? Yeah. It's crazy how happy I feel now because I can just see that there's light at the end of the tunnel, whereas for so long I just felt like I was stuck, eh? like stuck at rock bottom and kind of couldn't see a way out of it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you were totally thinking about other things you could do with your life that didn't like this is removing bodyboarding, removing yoga, removing all the things that have basically characterized Louis Finnegan. Right. Um, he literally got to that point, eh? Okay. So do you would you would you be so kind as to share the conclusion of that journey of what does Louis Finnegan do if he can't do everything that makes up Louis Finnegan? I was just looking at like university courses and thinking about which avenues of study I could go down that I'd be into. Uh-huh. Okay. And where did you go? Where where did your mind take you? I was you? thinking I was definitely thinking about nutrition, studying nutrition. Yeah. Pretty interested about that. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Does that interest still persist after that journey? You know, sometimes that kind of setback can be a catalyst of change in a different direction too. Like, is it something that's on your mind still now that you're recovering or is it just a passing interest now? Cause you're like, fuck that. I'm going to boogie. I'm going to yoga and I'm getting back. Louis back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely intrigued by nutrition because I think it's a pretty important part of the whole health and fitness umbrella. But, um, now that I can see myself returning to bodyboarding and everything relatively soon, like in the next couple of months, I'm kind of kind of got tunnel vision on that and just so amped to get back to back to the normal life, eh? Well, I'm sure everyone listening is going to be very happy to hear about that. Um, every time you post a video of something crazy that you're some contorted invert that you're doing out at the wedge you know the the crowd does go wild so i'm sure the the listener is going to be very happy to hear that you've got tunnel vision on your bodyboarding um it's kind of like the main thing i realized from having like well not everything but like most of the things i love taken from me is it gave me time to realize what i actually prioritize so highly in life Hmm. I think. And what what's that list of priorities look like? Well, number one is hundred percent my health. Mm. It's like if if I have my health taken away from me, whether it's my body or my mind, um, it's just like painful. Living in pain is just like the worst thing ever. And living with such such extreme physical limitations, such as my hip injury, was just so crippling for my for my mind because. I'm the kind of guy that just likes to be able to do anything I want. Like if someone spare of the moment asked me to go on a 20 K hike in the mountains, I'll be like, yep, let's do it. And mm. a ride for 50 Ks on the coast. I'm like, yeah, sweet, let's go. So I really do appreciate having an able body. And when that was taken away from me, I realized how much I value it in life. And then second to that was definitely bodyboarding. Um, that's cool yeah it holds a very close a very close part to my heart i think and um it was hard to to be away from it for so long that's interesting did you feel like before the injury and the setback that bodyboarding was sitting there so high in your priorities or was it actually down a bit lower because i feel like it might have been down yeah 100 number three or four I reckon it was lower, but then once I wow. had so much time away from everything, bodyboarding was the thing I missed the most out of all of it, like out of yoga and all of my training and that. I definitely missed bodyboarding the most. That's cool. I know that feeling. So it's um, a very good feeling to have and a good realization because 
I mean, you'd agree, it does seem to, even just the idea of it does pull us out of some dark spots, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm, yeah that's a good thing like that. Mm, old piece of foam, eh? couple of spinners. Yeah. Solves everything. <laughs> Cheers, Tom Moray. Yeah. Um, with your response to these challenges, I mean, I think you may have already kind of touched on it, but what does the way you responded to this kind of, we'll start with the negative, the negative spiral, and then we'll actually follow up with the positive spiral that you're in now. But what did you think the negative spiral said about you or what did you learn about yourself that you didn't know before? The main one was how heavily I rely on my body to mm. like be happy in this life. It's like something as simple as a sore hip literally made me feel like my whole life had just like been stolen from me. Mm. And so it kind of made me realize that I've put all my eggs in one basket. Like everything I've filter my life around involves physical exercise. And so move like that's a big lesson I've learned that moving forwards, like I'm not always going to have like a fit body. Like I'm going to get old at some stage and I'm, I'm going to want to have something to do and something to keep me happy. And I need to have things in life that make me happy. That doesn't involve just exercise all the time. Mm. Yeah. And in the positive response though, like, you know, it seems like health is prioritized. Bodyboarding's back up there. You could just, I could maybe, you know, you could look at that response and go, he hasn't learned anything, you know, like, <laughs> like, is it, is it, um, is there something in that, that the setbacks out of the way now and you're kind of like, okay, able-bodied things. Yay. Let's go. Let's focus. Or are you still, looking at that other aspect of, okay, how do I build resilience for a future that may have more setback? Yeah, no, there's definitely a few other things that I've I've become very intrigued in that doesn't involve exercise. Like I've been doing like uh, breath work, like working yeah. my breath and doing like two sessions every single day of breath work, which I'm very into now. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm loving that. It's like a whole nother avenue of a similar kind of thing. It's I would still classify it as like the health and fitness kind of genre of um, thing to do, like activity, but um, it obviously doesn't involve any exercise. You just got to lay on your back and breathe, but um, it's insane. Eh? It's like a whole new world that has been opened up. So you were already doing a bit of this um back when you know you've been you've been kind of into the breath work for a while it could be fair to say um what's so profound about what you've hit upon now like where have you taken it that you weren't taking it um over a year ago um i'd say like a year ago it was kind of just like very one dimensional what i was doing with breath work i was just like going and lying down and i was either like meditating kind of just like breathing in and breathing out and like feeling relaxed and enjoying it. Or I was doing like breath hold training and just trying to build my breath hold. But now I've learned so many different breathing techniques and breathing patterns to like completely change how you feel. Like there's, there's breath patterns that can completely energize you and pump you up. And there's other breath patterns that can zen you out and like lull you to sleep. And it's just like this whole array of different 
ways of breathing to just alter your mood and alter how you feel in your body. And it's just insane. eh? And I just play around with it now because I've been around to so many classes and filmed a bunch from my website with some really cool uh, breathwork teachers around Perth. And um, yeah, I've just like learned so much about all the techniques and I just realized how multidimensional it is and how many different ways of doing it that there are. That's really cool. And so you did go on a bit of it. You did actually keep yourself busy during this period of, of kind of a depression, you could say. You yeah. still did your work. Um, 100%, yeah. Cool. I feel like that's uh, something, you- something that like pretty much I reckon I've been born with that trait where I need to be, I need to be moving forward. So I feel like if I'm not moving forwards, I'm moving backwards and I completely hate that feeling. Well, that's positive. That's it's a positive good. realization. Yeah. It's a bit of a double-edged sword because it can be hard for me to just like be lazy. And sometimes I think laziness is kind of nice. Just giving, yeah. like giving your mind and your body a chance to just like chill out and recover. And that for me is pretty, pretty hard to do. Cause I'm like, I wake up every morning thinking, all right, what am I going to get done today? How am I going to move mm. forward? In life? And it's like, let's go, 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 go. And like, never giving myself a chance to stop and just relax. Mm. Even though like, some of this yeah. like, would be seen as relaxing, but it's like, I want to like, I want to do more with it. I want to learn more. I want to go forwards. Mm. You don't just Netflix and chill. Nah, no Netflix and chill. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, that's the easiest way. Just get addicted to a series. Just get locked in for eight seasons. And you're good. You're You're on the couch for hours. Funny story. The one Netflix thing I've watched lately was The Queen's Gambit. And since I watched that, I've been like heavy into chess. Got a chess board. (laughs) I've been playing online chess and just trying to get better at chess every day. You're such a freak. That's so funny. Are you quite good at it already? I'm all right. Wow. Like, okay. I'm not bad. You... I'm crap. Like, if someone that was actually legitimately good at chess played me, they'd be like, mate, you suck. But I guess I'm better than just like someone that's never played before. That's sweet, though. I mean, that, and look, I'll be honest. I feel like when the tour does come back, the, here's something we can do instead of just playing shit at all the time in between heats, you know, like. Yeah. Or, or, a couple of coffee, couple of beers, whatever it is, and we'll 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 battle it out. Bro, chess is so good. It goes like chess is it goes so deep. I thought it was just like, oh move some pieces around and try and eat the king. But it's like yeah. it takes so <laughs> much thinking. It's insane. No, it's a pretty strategic game. I can't say I'm very good at it at all. I I I get pretty frustrated and yeah, can't really handle the I don't I don't think I've got the patience for it but I, I feel like now that you've mentioned it I'm going to have to cultivate some patience and be ready for um for a few battles when when we do get back to regular programming yeah bro um, get, get on chess.com and add chess.com. all right so we can get into it now and uh you can probably just play and just leave a like the game just goes on until it ends right you don't have to like finish it in one moment you can probably just finish uh, it in a year or something eh? uh, yeah you can change the settings so you can have like a 10 minute game where each player only gets 10 minutes or you can Ooh. make like like unlimited and you can have a, a year long game if you really want to do it that way be, uh, that's pretty much my style because a lot of <laughs> netflix i got to watch in between and podcasts <laughs> to record 
<laughs> you got to watch the Queen's Gambit in between each move. That's probably what I'll need to do. I've been eyeing that off on the list. I'm like, I should probably watch that. So, yeah, you've, you've now pushed me over the limits because I'm yeah. pretty competitive. That's the thing. Like, I love to compete. And mm-hmm. if, if chess is going to be the game, I'm in. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, um, the the next question I kind of had on the list here was about pursuing any new hobbies or interests. So I think we've just ticked that box with chess. Yeah. Was there anything else you got into other than 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 trying to be – I was just trying to – I was going to try and think of a – is his name Bobby Fisher? I think there was a character called Bobby Fisher who was like a chess genius. Anyway, mm, yeah, is so there anything else you got into in the year? Just chess and breathwork mainly and um, – hmm. I bought like I bought a sauna, so I have a sauna and an ice bath now at my house. So I've been playing around with like using the sauna and ice bath and combining the two, and then combining those two with like doing breath holds in the pool in between, and Jeez. Kind of around with that, which has been pretty sick. And um, just recently, since my operation, I've been trying to learn how to make my own instrumental music on a software program called Ableton Live. You are such a pain in the ass. You're now <laughs> – you don't stop. You don't stop. <laughs> I don't know. I do. But okay. <laughs> you're, now, you're now becoming – what, you're becoming a DJ too? Are you and Wingers going to be like having DJ battles or what? nah, what's going on here? I won't be mixing anyone else's music. I'm trying to trying to make my own. Shots fired. Wingers, Shots fired. Wingers will, Wingers will be DJing my music. <laughs> oh, wow. This is – pretty serious you're you're actually trying to compose your own stuff exactly yeah sick you got you reckon, um, like if i if i play music on my laptop will it come through to you oh you can try i feel like it may not if you played it on your phone it would come through though if you held it but i don't know i don't have it on my phone let's see if this works how about okay try can you hear that I can. Wow. That I hope that comes through in the podcast, in the recording. I really <laughs> hope so. That sounds really cool. Yeah, not bad. Oh, well, shit. Are you, are you, have you been musical, though, in your earlier years, or has that yeah. just come out of nowhere? No, I've been, like, a little bit musical, like, learned to play guitar. Um, pretty, like, I'd say I'm pretty into music. I'm always on the search for, like, new tunes and stuff and love listening to music. Wow. And the uh, last couple of years, I've basically just been loving instrumental music and stuff that I can, like, do two hours of handstands too that doesn't have lyrics to distract my focus. So, okay. Like nice cruisy beats. So that's mainly what I just want to create. Um, I need to take a step back to the first question here again, because we're now 38 minutes into this podcast and you started by saying you barely survived. And since then you've gone on to tell me how, when you had no legs, you decided to focus on handstands. Now you look like you've got a triangle for an upper torso, which every bloke would want to have, including me with my dad bot. 
You've also taken up different forms of breath work, not just sticking around with old Wim Hof and just getting a little bit high and holding your breath for two minutes, but you're doing other weird things. I'm going to assume there's a little bit of tantra thrown in there, so some kind of <laughs> orgasmic breath hold. I'm, I'm assuming that you would have gone there because you are Louis Finnegan after all. In addition to that, you've bought a sauna and now you're going through different breath holds, sauna and ice bath combinations to figure out probably an optimum kind of experience to do there. And then on top of that, you have taken up music production and you're kind of already killing it. So <laughs> can we go back to the first question? Because I want to answer it for you. And chess. And you've taken up chess. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot that bit. And I'm a chess kook on top of oh, that. Oh, well, will, at least you're not just a, yeah, it's better than not doing any of it. But do you really honestly think that you barely survive still? Mentally, like, there was just some, like, really intense lows last year, and that's kind of why I said that. Like, yeah, of course I was still moving forwards, but there were days where I was just so down and so sad that that's what made it so hard. Mm. Okay. You can hold on to your survival status then. That's okay. Like, when you said that, you made me realize, like, yeah, shit, like, (laughs) I I wasn't stagnant and I didn't, like, go backwards in life. But mentally, it was so tough at times. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And look, I mean, it's hard. It may be, I guess no one's probably, out, well, I don't know what other podcasts you've been talking to, but I doubt anyone's asked you that question and framed it like that. But I do I do think it's really interesting that, um, you know, maybe I've, I've interviewed quite a few guys now for this series and there's been some very unique experiences that have come through and, you're the first one to say that you barely survived. And I was like concerned and, you know, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't see this one coming because I knew that you were this kind of pretty self, um, quite a conscious guy, someone who can focus on a problem or focus on something and, and really on it and, and find that simple repetition. You know, yoga is a beautiful thing to have in your life if you've got nothing else to do and um, you're locked down, you can always get down with dog. Um, so I, I kind of figured you might've been really zoned in on things, but it's just really funny to hear that, that kind of that high, uh, expectation that you have on yourself. Maybe is that, do you, do you kind of, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not really diagnosing you here, but it seems like you set a pretty high bar for yourself in life. Yeah. hundred percent. Eh? Yeah. Mm. It doesn't really need any more explanation besides like, yeah, I agree. And, um, it is definitely a double-edged sword. Like I've said a couple of times already, it's what's helped me get to a high level in bodyboarding and it's what helped me learn to balance on one hand instead of two. But at um, the mm. same time, it kind of comes with a cost. I don't really see mm. it's like literally, literally tunnel vision on the task at hand and um, don't really see other aspects of life sometimes. And yeah, it can be tough. Injuries happen because of it. But um, no, it kind of... It definitely helps me achieve high levels in certain things. Do you think with this newfound, well, the reprioritization of Louis Finnegan, where bodyboarding is really this higher valued item? I mean, with it with a twenty twenty two looking like the earliest kind of uh, competitive year that we can look towards, are you are you fired up for that, or is there is there any thinking for you on? 
what your priorities will be competitively? Are you thinking I'm going to go for the big, the big one now, or how do you feel about that? Um, to be honest, I'm not really looking that far forwards. Hey, I'm just like so eager to be ready for this winter at home, and I just want to. I'm okay. focusing on the right. I would say with all this like apnea training I've been doing and working on my breath holds, like the thing in the back of my mind is just being able to go crazy at the right. Jeez. And, okay. Uh, well, that's that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Like I just want to chase it again. Eh? I just want to chase good waves and get sick footage and have good times with the boys in WA. And I guess something will flow on from that into next year, whether it is the tour or whether it's like trying to travel a bit more around the world if, if things open up so that I can get waves and chase different swells around the world, then that's also a pretty damn good option. That sounds pretty cool. I mean, one of the closing questions I've got here was around like, you know, 2020's behind us, 2021's here. You've kind of answered it in terms of what are you planning here? And you're saying the prioritization for you is to get, obviously get your hip in order, but then really double down on that kind of big wave stuff. Yeah. And, um, I really want to refocus in on my website again. Yeah. Like that pretty much had to be completely stopped because I couldn't film any new content. Mm. I released like a bit of breathwork stuff on the website, but it's kind of just like I've just decided that I, I'll take a break from it and once I can do everything again, I'll get busy with the website again and make a whole new, whole new bunch of classes and content for that. Beautiful. Well, that's definitely something forward to for sure. I've got a to few wrap up this. Oh, uh, what some new classes? Yeah, and just like new things, like not just yoga anymore. But um, I won't say it because some of it probably won't happen. So <laughs> you just have to wait and see what things actually make it to the final production of being released. Cool, cool. This is exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. I mean, I, I admittedly have using the platform i do believe my membership lapsed so don't worry i will be re-signing up myself <laughs> have the numbers good. dropped off have dropped nah, off because of like, like, steady. like some people have obviously dropped off which is fine and understandable and other new people have come in and yeah like getting a bunch of positive feedback still from lots of people around the world which is pretty much the whole reason why i made it in the first place was to hopefully help people out where i could and that's what's happening so it's pretty rewarding. I'm sure it is. And look, I mean, one thing that can kind of help people out, and it's the final question of this little podcast episode, is, you know, what's your single piece of advice for anyone listening who your challenge is kind of a little different in that it wasn't really the pandemic itself so much that, if anything, you said the pandemic helped you get through it in a in a sense because you didn't have to miss out on things that were going to happen without you. Um, what's your? But you still had a pretty kind of tough year in terms of adversity and having to get over something pretty serious. Yeah. What's your piece of advice? What's the single most important kind of piece of advice you can share with the audience to kind of help them get through a really tough time if they find themselves in one? I would say, if you are in in a struggle at the moment in your life, if you feel like you are at rock bottom in any in any kind of aspect of your life, to just be open with people around you and never never feel like you're alone in it. Because what helped me a lot was to just 
open up to my parents, my family, my friends, and just be honest with everyone with how I was feeling. And, you know, you're always going to have at least one or two people in your life that you can talk to and they're going to listen to you and be there for you. And that's exactly what helped me through such mentally tough times was the fact that there were people around me that I knew loved me and were there to support me, even though they couldn't really necessarily do anything to fix my hip. They were there just to to be with me and that made a huge difference. So yeah, just just open up to the people around you if you're struggling. That's what they're there for.